Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. Today, we are discussing episode 57 of Hou Gong Jin Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. We are your hosts, Karen. And this is Kathy. If you are new to the podcast, please start off with our intro to the drama episode to get an understanding of what we are discussing. Follow us on social media and provide us with any comments there or on our website, ChasingDramas.com. Today's episode is going to be more plot-driven as our main character is positioning herself back as a worthy opponent in the palace. She is gathering intel and retaliating where possible, so there's not as much historical or cultural analysis to be provided. Let's get started. We left off the last episode with our main character, Jin Huan, who has returned to the palace with a vengeance, coming back from a visit to the Empress Dowager with her good friend, Shen Mei Zhuang. As they are speaking, a eunuch carrying Jin Huan on a litter slips. Luckily, nothing happens to Jin Huan, but as Jin Huan is pregnant, if a serious fall happened due to this slip, Jin Huan and her child could have been seriously injured. This is only the second day of her return to the Imperial Harem, and Jin Huan is already experiencing threats to her life. Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang return to Jin Huan's new palace, Yong Shougong, where they analyze what just happened. Someone mixed in slippery shi, or a type of cobblestone, on the ground. Through plot exposition, we learn that the stones on the roads all have been carefully selected to prevent slips. Therefore, to have these stones appear means someone did this on purpose. The desired result, of course, is to try and harm Jin Huan. Jin Huan asks her eunuch, Xiao Yunzi, to speak to someone uh, to thoroughly examine the moss on one of the stones they picked up. She is looking for some identifiable hints as to who did this. She is much less forgiving now on those who attempt to harm her. Later that night, when the emperor comes to visit her, Jin Huan, from my perspective, knows now how to uh, manipulate the situation. That's kind of a strong word. Nudge, perhaps, is more appropriate. She now knows how to nudge the emperor into learning what happens to her, and plays up this sob story and has him want to try to defend her. She's in bed with her hair down. When the emperor arrives, she plays up the sad girl, needing her husband's protection and affection, not saying much about what happened, but instead going straight in for a hug. Huan Bi, Jin Huan's maid, explains what happens and the emperor immediately figures out that someone is trying to harm Jin Huan. He tries to punish the eunuchs carrying Jin Huan, who caused her to slip, but Jin Huan interjects to prevent those eunuchs from being punished. Her soft words and focus on her child further highlights her caring and forgiving nature to the emperor. He agrees not to punish any. Let's take a step back to look at how much Jin Huan has matured now she's back at the palace. She knows very well that someone tried to harm her, 
but she understands also that these poor eunuchs aren't to blame. That is true to her character. But she told her own eunuch to pick up the cobblestones in order to further examine those stones and find the culprit. When the emperor comes, she doesn't tell him to punish anyone. Instead, she focuses on the fact that she is a victim. The emperor, surely, will be on her side because of what happened. If she asked for the eunuchs to be punished, the emperor may think that the punishment will resolve the issue and be much less focused on who harmed Jin Huan. In the past, Jin Huan might have just let this go in an effort to not cause drama. This new Jin Huan is not going to allow that. As she said herself, if you attack me, don't blame me if I can't allow you to exist here. She so far has learned that she needs absolute proof before acting or speaking up uh, about her suspicions. If we also pay attention to Jin Huan's facial expressions in this entire scene, it's quite interesting. When she has her head uh, lying on the emperor's back, the emperor can't see, but you can tell that in that entire scene, she is plotting and trying to make her emotions or make her face so that it is the exact thing that she wants to show the emperor. He will see what she wants him to see. And before, she didn't really do that. Now, it's all about, I'm planning the next step, and it sucks if you're the emperor because you deserve it. Jin Huan's retaliation strategy takes fruit rather quickly. Her eunuch shares that the moss from the stone comes from a specific type of tree from the Shu area of China, which is more or less modern-day Sichuan. The only person in the palace who likes to grow this type of tree as a Chinese bonsai is Xin Guiren. Who is this Xin Guiren? Xin Guiren is one of the first women we've met in the imperial harem. She, along with Jing Fei, were in the very first court greeting with the empress all the way back at the beginning of this drama. She, at that point we already hinted at, was a victim of the empress's schemes and had a miscarriage right when we were first introduced to Xin Guiren. She isn't particularly favored by the emperor, but also doesn't make too much of a fuss. She is one of the older women in the palace now. Currently, she lives with Qi Pin, who is firmly a member of the Empress's group. When Jin Huan hears that this rock is probably from Xin Guiren, she sighs that it's unfortunate for Xin Guiren. She's been with the Emperor for many years, but is still only a noble lady, whereas other people who have been in the palace for a shorter period of time have surpassed her in title. Jin Huan, at this point, does not know if Xin Guiren is now also a part of the Empress's group or not. She clearly has motives to work with the Empress, but Jin Huan cannot be sure. Just as they are talking, Qi Pin and Xin Guiren show up to pay their respects to Jin Huan. Jin Huan and Qi Pin have a rather pointed chat. Jin Huan calmly puts down Qi Pin's father and Qi Pin's own behavior towards her, Jin Huan. Remember, Jin Huan's father was framed by Qi Pin's father and thus exiled to Ningguta. 
Qiping and her father contributed to Jin Huan's downfall before she left the palace. During the conversation that the three ladies are having, Xin Guiyin and Qiping start to bicker. It's actually quite funny. Qiping becomes annoyed at what Xin Guiyin says and haughtily leaves the place. Quite a rude thing to do since Jin Huan is still there, but at least this allows Jin Huan to speak to Xin Guiyin alone. Jin Huan's current rank is a fei or consort, which outranks Qiping's rank of pin. Xin Guiyin shares that her current living situation is rather bleak. She is constantly belittled by Qiping, but cannot do much because Qiping has a higher title than her, even though she's much younger. Xin Guiyin says that she wants to be an owner of her own palace. She will work with Jin Huan for whatever she needs in the future. Jin Huan at this point is still skeptical of Xin Guiyin. She doesn't know if Xin Guiyin was the one who tried to harm her earlier, so she tests her. Jin Huan has a lovely bonsai brought out of exactly the tree that Xin Guiyin likes. Jin Huan mentions that the cobblestones in the bonsai were carefully picked as well. She had this brought out in order to gauge Xin Guiyin's reaction. If Xin Guiyin was guilty of harming Jin Huan, she'd probably be more cagey. Instead, Xin Guiyin is ecstatic at how beautiful the tree is and how wonderful the moss on the cobblestones are. She's not abashed at all at being sent this gift and gladly accepts it. This, or her behavior, indicates to Jin Huan that Xin Guiyin is perhaps innocent in this scheme. Also, when in the world did Jin Huan have time to procure this bonsai and all of these cobblestones? She literally just learned about this right before the ladies show up. How would she just so happen to have this bonsai? This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but we'll just go with it. Before letting Xin Guiyin go, Jin Huan asks about a red necklace that Qiping is wearing. Xin Guiyin shares that this necklace was gifted by the Empress and she wears it frequently to show off her favoritism. The most important piece of information though is that this necklace produces a faint smell that is quite pleasant. But when Jin Huan hears this, her reaction is more knowing of the truth behind this necklace. Later on, when Huan Bi asks about this necklace, Jin Huan explains that it isn't just an expensive agate necklace as one would normally assume. It is instead a necklace made of xiang or musk. There will be permanent damage to your reproductive capabilities the longer one wears that necklace. This material is very rare, so not many people have heard of it. And since everyone knows that the Empress was the one who gifted it to Qiping, no imperial doctor will tell Qiping the truth so as not to anger the Empress. It looks like even though Qiping seems to be favored by the Empress, the Empress has prevented her from ever becoming pregnant. Once again, musk or this Xiang is the most effective birth control, 
We now have one more woman who is infertile due to close proximity to Shexiang. We've said before that Shexiang or this musk is the most important item in this drama. And here we have it, more proof. You'll recall in episode 46 if you go back to watch when the empress gifted the necklace to uh Qipin and Lingrong was there. And Lingrong for once in her life was not self-conscious of not receiving this gift because she could smell what the necklace was made of. She actually raised a handkerchief to her nose to prevent inhaling too much of the fragrance. Remember, An Lingrong is a master at creating perfumes and fragrances, so she could smell immediately. But I must say, how does Zhen Huan have so much information about this necklace? Was it from a book? I feel like since coming back to the palace, she is like, all-knowing of every devious scheme, everything at least related to smell, she's like, I need to be on top of it. Well, the focus of this episode really is for us, the audience, to see each step that Jin Huan starts to take, each trap she begins to set, to build her own faction within the palace, win favor from the emperor and the empress dowager, and most importantly, one by one, remove her enemies. One main motive for Jin Huan to come back to the palace was to seek revenge on those who wronged her father. In this episode, she begins her attack towards Qi Pin, whose father dealt the crucial blow against Jin Huan's father. The first chess piece in her plan is her former maid, Peer. This maid was sent to Xingrian's palace when Jin Huan left the palace three years ago. Jin Huan learns that it hasn't been easy for her. This poor girl is often beaten, whipped, or yelled at by Qi Pin due to her association with Jin Huan. Jin Huan now requests for the girl to be her spy in the palace to report to her the actions of both Qi Pin and Xingrian. This chess piece will be quite fruitful in the future. And what a change from Jin Huan's behavior before. She originally was just like, let's keep to ourselves, let's not do anything. Now she's very purposefully planting spies across the, the palace so that she can learn and understand what is happening. One evening, the emperor chooses to spend the night with Xing Guiren after many months. She, of course, is very pleased. But Qipin is quite jealous and annoyed at this. What will this woman do? Well, apparently her trick is to scream quite loudly in the middle of the night, claiming that she's suffering from nightmares. She calls out for the emperor, and her ruckus wakes up the sleeping emperor and Xingguiren. Knowing Qipin's scheme, Xingguiren doesn't say much. Anything she says will be pointless anyways. The emperor, though, does indeed ditch Xingguiren for Tiping that night and spends the night over there instead. Ugh, men. Can we all get a collective eye roll? News of the night's events travels fast to Jin Huan's ears the next morning. How that happens, it's kind of funny. I really don't know, but here we have it. She is eating breakfast with her now son, the fourth prince. The first reaction the boy, the fourth prince, has upon hearing 
this story is to say 蠢货 or idiot. Her mother is a little bit surprised at his response. He calmly explains, Mother, this is a perfect opportunity for you to establish your reputation in the palace. She immediately understands his meaning. Junhuan calmly orders her eunuch to send a bowl of tang or brown rice jobs tears soup to the suffering Ping. Yes, I know, what the heck is jobs tears? It's a type of grain that's a popular ingredient in congees or soups. The fourth prince says that the soup doesn't need to be cooked thoroughly. Just lightly boiled is fine, which is not, not a good taste. And he says to make sure to bring huge bowls for her to drink. And hey, what do you know? This works. The eunuch arrives with the soup and cleverly says that the imperial doctors recommended this remedy. The emperor agrees and sort of forces Tipin to drink the soup. Tipin, of course, doesn't want to drink it. This soup is made with brown rice and job's tears. Yes, there are medicinal properties to this, but the soup is also made with coarse grains. These are usually reserved for servants and livestock, not fit for a dainty concubine. It also definitely isn't very tasty. Under the watchful eye of the emperor, though, Tipin unwillingly gulps down several bowls of this. For Tipin, she cannot say no. This little scheme does not fool the emperor. He immediately goes to Jinhuan's palace to figure out her reasoning, like why bother with this girl? Jinhuan gives a very appropriate response. If the emperor continues to fall for these petty tricks, then everyone else in the imperial harem will do the same. There will be no peace in the harem and it will give the emperor a bad reputation. Women like Xingguiren who haven't done anything wrong will feel shunned, while women like Tipin will continue with these antics. The emperor sheepishly agrees. She has a good point. Look at that. Just with this one little punishment, Jinhuan has staked her ground in the palace. On her walk with her friend Shen Meizhuang, Shen Meizhuang tells her that she is receiving praises from even the Empress Dowager. During this walk out on the other side of the garden, Qi Pin is huffing and puffing about her bad luck. I personally can't help but chuckle. She starts bad-mouthing Jinhuan. The stuff she says is quite hilarious, such as, who does she think she is? She couldn't keep still in that stupid temple. I'm going to show her. That whole diatribe, though, is overheard by none other than Jinhuan. Jinhuan smirks and loudly pronounces, I don't know how powerful you are, but you should learn what the phrase, there are eyes and ears everywhere, means. Tipin frantically looks around, trying to find A, where Jinhuan is, and B, hide from her. <laughs> I died laughing. She's like stumbling around in these flower pot bottom shoes and just can't handle it because she also her hair is also everywhere. Or too big, at least. Jinhuan basically sachets the way. <laughs> the fourth prince who is with his mother is confused and asks her, why aren't you mad? Jinhuan responds with a life lesson that I think everybody needs to go by. She says, 
Don't waste your time and energy on worthless people or things. I'm actually quite impressed with this fourth prince. He was the one who immediately understood how to use Xipin's nightmares against her, and he's learning all of these methods to become a good ruler. We have to keep a close eye on this boy. A side plot that will continue to ferment is exactly how Jin Huan handles the situation with Jing Fei and her firstborn daughter, the Princess Long Yue. Throughout the episode, we continue to see cracks forming between the friendly Jing Fei and Jin Huan. Jing Fei loves Long Yue but knows Jin Huan is her actual mother. They will have to part, but she doesn't want to. Jin Huan stops by her old friend Duan Fei's palace. She is currently raising the princess Wen Yi after her mother died. Duan Fei offers some pretty good advice. Don't rush this. Unfortunately, Jin Huan doesn't quite follow this advice. The next time she sees her daughter, she immediately calls out for Long Yue. Of course, the child doesn't respond. The meeting once again turns sour, much to the discomfort of everyone in the scene. On the walk back to the palace, Jin Huan is already in a dour mood, but is stopped by an unwelcome guest, An Ling Rong. This is such a brilliant conversation. Let's unpack this scene. An Ling Rong is her usual self, a snake, but I love the framing of this scene and Jin Huan's reactions. Jin Huan right now is being carried by a litter because she has the rank of Fei or consort, so she's allowed to, to use the litter. But An Ling Rong is walking, and it's such a great um, representation of the power play between the two right now. An Ling Rong starts off by congratulating Jin Huan, but then says some pretty backhanded things. She says, I thought, dear sister, that you would be lonely at the temple for the rest of time. I always thought of you. Who would have thought times would change and you would be pregnant once more? Jin Huan strikes back with her own compliments. Nothing is ever perfect. There's always something that's not quite right. Just like you, my dear sister. You are an imperial concubine or a peen, and you run your own palace, but I believe even you aren't always happy. An Ling Rong next tries to attack Jin Huan by mocking her about her daughter Long Yue's situation. How do you feel about your own daughter becoming someone else's? This is quite lowbrow. Jin Huan, though, knows exactly what An Ling Rong is trying to do, but doesn't fall for it. Seeing that this attack doesn't work, An Ling Rong next turns the topic to the recent incident of the eunuch slipping on the cobblestone. Jin Huan responds, with Xin Guiren has been in the palace for a while. She is trying to turn the conversation towards Xin Guiren. Right now, I can't tell if Jin Huan really thinks it's Xin Guiren or not, but she says Xin Guiren must have had something to do with it. An Ling Rong, however, tries to direct the suspicion towards Qi Pin. This part is absolutely fantastic. Jin Huan places one finger on her temple in a sort of mocking way and asks, What beef do I have with her? Whatever her father did was to my father. Jin Huan lets An Ling Rong talk and she reveals so much. Jin Huan's stance here, though, is probably one of my favorites in the entire drama. 
She is such a badass with her side eye looking at An Lingrong. Jin Huan is no longer pretending to be friends with An Lingrong. She knows that her former friend is nothing but a backstabber, and yes, she will say dear sister, but that's it. The episode actually ends on a surprising note. An Lingrong warns Jin Huan to be careful. She takes out a perfume sachet she claims was gifted by Singuirin. Jin Huan takes one whiff, turns around, and coldly states, I understand your meaning. There isn't much on the culture front today, so let's analyze a few of the encounters and Jin Huan's reaction to them. First is, of course, that not-so-subtle attempt at her life with the cobblestones. The drama never explicitly tells us who actually did this, so let's go through the suspects one by one. The first person is Singuirin. All of the obvious clues point to her. First, she enjoys the bonsai from Sichuan. The cobblestones go with the bonsai. Second, she lives in Chuxiogong, where Jin Huan was passing, which makes it easy to place the cobblestones there. Third, which I think is quite shaky, she's only a noble lady and might want to remove Jin Huan to further her position in the imperial harem. In my mind, though, these really aren't actually motives. The signs are too obvious. Everyone will think it is her. She also seemed quite genuine in her reactions when Jin Huan was testing her. I'm going to say that she most likely wasn't the culprit. The next person is obviously Qi Pin. She lives in Chu Xiaogong. She hates Jin Huan and has enough money and power to put the cobblestones on the streets. She would know of Singuirin's hobbies and likes, so it wouldn't be hard to place these cobblestones on the ground and have the signs point to Singuirin. Upon first glance, this actually seems quite clever. You have all the signs point to Singuirin, and if Jin Huan is suspicious, let's say Singuirin did it. But upon further uh, analysis, or if anybody thinks a little bit more, why would Singuirin do this? This is so obvious. Tifin also actually has beef with Jin Huan. If anybody thought about this a bit more, they would probably conclude that Tifin did it. And this is the general consensus. The third person that I'm putting forth is actually An Lingrong. Why? Well, she's cunning enough to frame either Singuirin or Tifin for doing this. She has disliked Tiping for a while, as evident through what the maid pair revealed, and she can say this right now to Jin Huan to say, okay, watch out for Tiping because she's the one who did it, but who's to say it wasn't her framing either of them? I don't think she's really on the top of the list, but you could say that Ailing Rong might have done this as well. When an Lingrong asked about the cobblestone incident. Jin Huan kind of turned her attention towards Singuirin. Like I said, I couldn't really tell if Jin Huan really believed it was Singuirin, but An Lingrong immediately offered up Qipin. Jin Huan doesn't say much more about this and just lets An Lingrong talk. But as we said, she has her hand or has her finger on her temple and in my mind is kind of just like watching a show. Look at the framing of this as well. 
Zhen Huan is sitting looking down at An Lingrong, and An Lingrong though doesn't really look up. She's just staring flat or looking down, so she can't really see Zhen Huan's reaction. An Lingrong just continues to talk and tries to kind of frame Tiping as the culprit and wants to put Tiping in a poor light. In my mind, I actually think Jin Huan put forward Xin Guiren as the culprit so that she can hear for herself what An Lingrong has to say or think about Tiping. She heard the rumors from Pear about the discord between the two. Now she has actual evidence that An Lingrong dislikes Tiping. Once again, I absolutely love the framing because Jin Huan here, I think, has smirked more in this conversation with An Lingrong than she has done in any of her previous conversations. Here, Jin Huan is like, I know what you're doing, but because An Lingrong is not staring directly at her in many of uh, the, the times when she's speaking, she can't really see Jin Huan's look of, um, of like disdain towards her. Well, that is that. Thank you all so much for listening today. If you have any comments or questions or feedback on what we've discussed in today's episode, please reach out to us on social media or at Karen and Kathy at chasingdramas.com. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the week.